You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Oh, hey. I, I mean, I, I guess you you paid money to be here. I just didn't expect you this early. Uh, what's that? Well, I, I mean, I guess we have a we have an episode ready for you. Come on in. Yeah. No, the popcorn's almost ready. Okay. Yeah. The, Jordan said the popcorn's almost ready. Come on in. Um, take a seat on the couch. Here's I the guess. here's the general and branded soda water you like. The one? I don't think we can say the names of what we're actually oh. drinking right now. You know how much you love this soda water with your popcorn. You know how much you love this <laughs> spicy sweet brown drink. Yeah, it's all uh, generic store brand stuff here. We've got uh, uh, Diet Cobe. Uh, we've got. Uh, would you Would you care for a tall, sparkling glass of Doctor Wow? Yeah, there's, there's Doctor <laughs> Wow. Uh, we've got Diet Doctor Wow. We've got Doctor Wow Five. Um, Reverend Pepper. <laughs> Rever- Reverend Peeper, I think, is the technical phrase. We've got some spritz. I was gonna say spritz. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some uh, some. This one's just called root beer. That's interesting. There's no real name for this guy. Some pep talk, and then we've got the La Cranche. If you're interested in the La sparkling Crunch. water, <laughs> like a French cereal. Yeah, just La Cranche. La Cranche. I think that's Captain's Captain's Crunch's international's name. <laughs> Captain Scrunch. Captain's. That's the plural of Captain, Captain Crunch. Scrunch. Captain's Crunch. It's like Attorney's General. <laughs> The Captain's Crunch would like to speak with you. <laughs> well, as you have certainly guessed, this is a bonus episode. It is. And this week, I'm your chunk. Hey, I'm your chunk. I'm a chunk, too. Who's the hunk? It's all of you, it's you our guys. patrons. It really means the world to us that you've chosen to be an official chunky. It's yeah. true. We kind of can't believe it. Um, so we're just super grateful. You guys Very are much. all the hunk this week. This week, we are talking about a movie that... Some would say is the best of all of them, <laughs> yes. at least for this round. I think technically this is the best movie that has come out ever currently until a new one dethrones it next year. That's true. Yeah. It's like so a King of the Hill situation. This is currently <laughs> the best movie we've ever made as humans. And it is, of course, Parasite. Parasite. Very excited to talk about this one. I yeah, too. I am as well. Um, Way more excited than last year's. Oh, Best picture. Oh, yeah. Can you believe just for a second that <laughs> my favorite tweet I've seen about Parasite is like, so glad to see this movie stand on its own next to such wonderful art as Green Book. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's a huge bummer. It's a big bummer, but big thank time. goodness. I, you know, sometimes with award shows, there's this overwhelming feeling that I have of like, how did they, how did they miss it that bad? This year, it feels like for the most part, I, I actually agree with a lot of... There wasn't any that I was like, I really don't see that. Right. Yeah. It's like the Oscars got it right by and large this year. I think so too. And fortunately, it didn't feel like political because if Parasite was to win Best Picture, it was going to be massive for yeah. the movie industry. Oh, for Absolutely. sure. First foreign language film to ever win, all that kind of stuff. But it felt like it legitimately... It's what I thought would win. I think we've talked about it before, but I was really worried when they announced that Parasite won Best International Film. I was too. I thought that was like a a, consolation consolation prize. prize. Exactly. Yeah, I I did too. And I was like, that's that's worse. When he won Best Director, I was like, okay. Well, and screenplay. Like he was getting everything. Yeah. 
we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but Bong Joon-ho is now officially the most decorated per project Oscar winner in history. He beat Walt Disney's record or at least tied it. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I think he tied Walt Disney's record of four Oscars, but in one ceremony, yeah. in one ceremony, but Disney won them for different projects. Mm. Bong Joon-ho won them all for Parasite. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Which further goes to show it's the best movie that we've made. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because it's the first international movie to win best picture at the Academy Awards, but it also, I don't know. It's not, just that it did that, it's that it crushed the awards Absolutely. this year. Like yeah. it just demolished everything. Yeah. And even the lead up to awards, that's all anybody was talking about. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like there, it's not that it was an easy category this year. Yeah. Like there were right. several strong contenders yeah. for best picture. It's a good year for, for movies. Um, now it's interesting. I remember when I first watched Parasite, um, it was probably a month before the Oscars and, uh, I watched it and I loved it. And then I sat on it and I like, it was like, as time went on, I loved it more. Like as yeah, I had yeah. time to digest, I was like, Oh, I still haven't seen it. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to watch really it gonna, together I right I'm now. I'm really going to yeah. like it. Yeah. You guys get to live, listen to us, just watch this movie. It's going to be, <laughs> I hope you guys are all cool with hearing about two hours of Korean that you don't understand. Unless you're Korean and we'll just to this, read the subtitles. Cool. <laughs> We're going to yeah. do a dramatic reading of the English script for Parasite. <laughs> I don't think this will be Bong Joon's last Oscar. I, really I don't, don't know, especially don't looking either. at the movies he's done before too. It, it, he, for a lot of people, he burst onto the scene this year, but he's honestly, been on the he's scene. been, around. He's been yeah. on the scene yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if I was Netflix, I would be looking to like renegotiate the deal that we started with Okja, Okja, however you say yeah. that one. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Where, yeah. where if I'm Netflix, I'm trying to buy Pong Joon-ho's next film. Yeah. Well, for distribution, I know that he's already got something cooking with HBO for Parasite as like a 10 part mini series. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be interested to see. I'm not sure how it will work as a 10 part mini series. You know, I'm not either. Um, I also kind of trust him. Yeah. I don't know if, if he wasn't involved in it, I'd be a lot more skeptical about the project. Right. I think. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just thinking about how it's going to translate to that much extra time. And I don't know specifically because this movie feels like it utilized every part of the animal. You know what I mean? Like it really Let's feels say, like it yeah. took up everything it needed and not an There's ounce. None more. of the Buffalo left right. to stretch. Yeah. But it, but it also wasn't, tedious so let's let's talk a little bit do does it, do you have a synopsis for us i always have a synopsis. i'd love if you I'm deliver that locked and loaded with the synopsis Unto. this is written by uh in fact if we can find his email address we're just going to go ahead and send him this private rss feed because he's an honorary official chunky at this point this is written by our good friend nick regana he's, he's i mean he's still doing them this is the most recent movie we've had released that it's a nick yeah. regana's That's i think true. he's the most decorated person on he our never podcast stops. He's the Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Uh, my dumb brain that only knows English is going to mispronounce a lot of these names. Oh, all of these pronunciations are going to be butchered by me. So please know that it is not intentional and does not reflect my opinion of these wonderful performances. Jobless, penniness, and above all, hopeless. Sorry, what was the second word? Banalous. Banalist. Jobless, banalist, and buffaloopless. <laughs> Russian now. <laughs> the unmotivated patriarch, Key Tech, and his equally unambitious family, his supportive wife, Chung Suk, his cynical 20-something daughter, Ki Jung, and his college-age son, Ki Woo, occupy themselves by working for peanuts in their squalid basement-level apartment. Then, by sheer luck, a lucrative business proposition will pave the way for 
for an ingeniously insidious scheme. Ooh, nice. As Ki Woo summons up the courage to pose as an English tutor for the teenage daughter of the affluent Park family. Now, the stage seems set for an unceasing winner-take-all class war. How does one get rid of a parasite? Nick, that's a great synopsis. Nick, is that's he getting better? I think so he's getting better. Not that he was ever like trash, but is he that's getting a better? Great synopsis, Nick Reganis. Yeah, that was very. What good. if we find out that he like works for IMDb? I feel like Nick he used his actually. ultimate for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got the smash ball. I think he got the smash ball and then gave us this. That's the stage clearer, right? Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> that was very good. He's got nothing left in the tank. Maybe we'll find out. So yeah, the first thing I want to say is. I think something impressive about this movie is it managed to, I'm going to say this without being mean to my fellow Americans. It managed to break onto the English speaking movie scene as a fully subtitled movie, which is hard, which is hard. Yeah. Um, Roma was big last year, but I didn't talk to anybody who watched it besides my super big movie buff friends. Um, you know, there's, there's other movies, you know, a ton of people have seen old boy, which is also yeah. a Korean movie that's fully subtitled. And you've got things like the hunt, which I love I and it's in say, Swedish, yeah. but ultimately I don't feel like that tends to happen, but I've encountered a ton of people who gave parasite a try. And I think to Bong Joon-ho's credit, one of the things that makes it so accessible is just how good it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, past a certain level of quality, it almost doesn't matter how something is presented, which I think is good when you're trying to appeal to everybody and not, not in a lesson, something so that it appeals widely, but just when you make something this good, I think you can just lay it out as it is and Absolutely. say, please watch it. I yeah. think a large strength of it is the performances. Like I agree everybody completely. is, so it's, it's unsurprising ultimately, but I think it's a bummer that there were not any performance nominations for the right, Oscars. It from felt this like movie. an ensemble. You know what I mean? Some of the best movies. Uh, it did like win. That. It did win the SAG best, Awards. Best ensemble to SAG Awards. Right, right. Um, but the performances, I think, are so strong. And, and I was talking to Jess after we finished it, and I was like, I don't feel like I missed anything. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't feel like there was anything that was lost in translation or like, man, I wish I could yeah. hear them say this in a way that I understand. For right. sure. Because I think the performances were so strong that it may as well have been nonverbal. Yeah. And yeah. on it, on it being a foreign language film, like I, there's been a lot in my life to avoid American ignorance. Like I was raised really sure. well, all this kind of stuff, but there couldn't help but be a little bit of it. Sure. Oh yeah. Which you feel just gross for being surprised. Right. Like, <laughs> are you kidding? Like yeah. we are not even... Yes, like that is one of our biggest cultural exports is is our pop culture. Is pop culture. Yeah. Um but boy are they they're some just as and more talented people out in the world. Oh my god. And I think that's what makes this so good. I'm so glad. Like I now I'm thinking is is the Disney gears are those turning and saying are we going to do, do we want to do a Pixar that's a foreign language film someday? Like mm-hmm. I think that people do you, like I wonder how much it's going to influence our culture like American culture to go ahead and go out and try and be more. I don't know. I I hope the biggest influence is just that we're willing to consume things that weren't made here. Yeah, exactly. I wish I could super pump Bong Joon's acceptance speeches. Yeah. Yeah. I think those were brilliant and I I thought they were very thoughtful and it wasn't like a, well, finally kind of thing. It was like, actually go out, check this out. Please do this. It reminded me a lot of Guillermo del Toro. Just like, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth is another one that's in, yeah. is in uh, yeah. subtitles. 
yeah, yeah. That, it that was, was all in Portuguese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very similar to Guillermo del Toro's acceptance speech. Yeah, uh, just, when just he very went for like shape of water. Humble when you know that he's got everything to back up not being humble, but also like. I think his phrasing was this, this award is not just for me. This is for everybody who's ever dreamed of using genre fiction to tell an important story. Yeah. Uh, the door is open, kick yeah. it down and come in. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. so good. So good. Um, so something that I love about this movie, and I think a lot of it is in part to due to the performances and, it, and I brought it up right before the synopsis. This movie has the uh, capacity if it wasn't done so well to be very tedious. Yeah. Um, because it, it's all about, it's all about step forward, step back. You know, everything is essentially always heading back towards center. You know, it's two steps yep. forward and then two steps similarly right back. Um, and with that many problems you encounter and that many like weird situations that we watch, uh, the Kim family end up in, it really could be tedious and a really like a slog to watch. And it just isn't. Yeah. Um, this movie has such a, an interesting momentum that it carries, I think from front to back of just once it gets started, I, I mean, I was just enraptured, mm-hmm. but there is, there is a sense in which the momentum doesn't slow down, but it does make a 90 degree turn. Yes. You know what I mean? 100%. I've seen this described. I think it was on Twitter as parasite was 50% Wes Anderson at the beginning. And then suddenly Quentin Tarantino shows up. Right. Like, well, that's probably not that inaccurate. Right. You know With what I mean? Hitchcock undertones. Yeah, exactly. Throughout. Very Hitchcock yeah. undertones. Yeah. yeah. Intentional Hitchcock. Undertones. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a ton we could talk about with style. Um, one of the things I would love to talk about this, this movie feels, it feels weird to present this in a linear walk through the plot to me, maybe more than any other movie that I've said, at least for me on the podcast, please watch this. Yeah. Like this is, this is one that like describing it would ultimately lessen it. I think. Yeah. So that has to be watched. Yeah. So I want to talk about presentation maybe first. Yeah. Um, so much of the visual here is, so this, this is a gorgeous movie. I mean, the colors, the lighting, the shots, everything looks great. But did you know that this house doesn't exist mm-hmm. and it's all built on this soundstage? Yeah, it's a set. So the effects here look incredible. I mean, it yeah. looks looks like it's so really just like real on the countryside in, in Korea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but even things that I still don't fully understand, but like the way that shots are divided in half by things that are natural dividing lines, like, uh-huh. like the center of a window yeah, or there's door physical frames. lines in the painting that when characters cross class lines, they actually walk across a physical line yeah. in the frame of the image. I know yeah. that, um, when the son and the Kim, the Kim family, uh, let me double check the character's name, uh, Ki Woo, mm-hmm. when Ki Woo, uh, goes Kevin. and- yeah. 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 When Kevin, when Kiwu goes <laughs> and reads the book on the lawn, yeah, he c- crosses a line in the window pane. That same line, the first time we see that crossed is when their original housekeeper goes and wakes up uh, Mrs. Park. Yeah. From when her she's asleep on the- she goes into claps right next to her ear. Yeah. She yeah. Walks, we watch her walk right across that, that same line in the window. Yeah. It's just all, I'm about to watch this movie again. I yeah, know. I know. <laughs> it deserves so many watches. Yeah. Something else presentation wise that I want to talk about is um, the message that this movie carries with it. So um, I was reading something where um, Bong Joon-ho is saying that 
He wanted to. So, so in, in Korea, I guess I'm speaking from ignorance and just from what I understand because of this <laughs> as movie. we always are, but we're especially Fair. conscious of today. We're speaking right. out of American ignorance. Um, Band the, name there. The middle class has completely disappeared in yeah. Korea, like virtually non-existent. And so um, when making this movie, he wanted to create a movie where there was a scenario where um, the lower class and the upper class would be together. Yeah. And the only way he could think to include both in a realistic way in the movie was as help in the house, you know, as housekeeper, driver, tutor, that sort of thing. Yeah. Tutor, especially the entry level. Right. Um, and so it's literally the only thing that you could possibly think of to make it realistic in Korea. Basically, right. That's what you're saying. And, and, and thus we get this crazy scheme. I mean, it just, it feels like a movie born out of the scenario it wanted to portray. Yeah. yeah. More than anything else. Well, and it's funny we talk about ignorance. It's like that's the foundation of a lot of this. Sure. It's on yeah. both sides too, right? Because yeah. I think another brilliant thing about it, and this is definitely a rewatch. It's it's a rewatchable, depending on your stomach, yeah. we'll get to that. But like uh, of just more to dissect because I think both sides are portrayed. Of course, the rich are portrayed as maybe a little bit more antagonist. Sure. But there's nobody worth rooting for here. But there's nobody worth yeah. rooting for ultimately also kind of Shakespearean in that way. I would say, well, to me, like watching it, it's, it's crazy how similar the, the, I guess the bones, the underlying message are to another movie that was nominated for best picture about class warfare, like Joker. Yeah. You know I mean, I think this does what Joker tried to do a That's lot a better. Point. Sure. I would say so much better that I totally, I would not have even drawn that parallel. And I think until it, just and, it feels blasphemous and reductive to say Parasite did what Joker did, right? At least when I say it, it to feels a, gross to coming extent, out yeah. because Parasite does it so much better and so much more thoughtfully. Um, but we are presented with this, this group of protagonists That's who true. have been downtrodden and stepped on by the elite. And so they react ultimately very violently and very destructively yeah. in much the same way that, that Arthur Fleck does in yeah. Joker. No, that's but a good point. I don't know why it works for me so much better in this yeah. than it does in Joker. I, I know why, if at least for me. Yeah. It's not presented as the right option. Yeah, that's true. I think we're, we're taking probably a more objective frame. The camera is not a biased narrator in this. Yeah. yeah, we're watching, when we watch the Kim family ultimately kind of revolt at the end, we're not like... Yeah, rise yeah, up. They had it coming. It's horrific. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. It's it's hard to watch. Yeah. And it's it's intense. It's over the top. Very Tarantino in that way. How yeah. like just escalated everything. So I is. thought of you when I was watching that because you said th- you said in our you said in our diehard episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're breaking all kinds of cultural barriers. It's Castilian Spanish today. <laughs> uh, you said in our diehard episode that your favorite kind of violence in movies is sudden bursts of hyper realistic graphic violence or high or highly stylized or highly like stylized. a Kingsman exactly type thing. Did this hit that sweet spot? Yeah, for it you? did. It really did. It was sort of the marriage of the two almost. Yeah. Um, it was out of nowhere. So yeah, maybe let's, let's talk about the twist and we can use this as a jumping off point. Yeah. Um, the, the violence was out of nowhere and in stark contrast to the rest of this beautiful movie. Absolutely horrific. Everything else is, is everything's covered in almost neon, but not quite. Like it's it's a a very non-American way to color grade this movie. Like our color, we're not afraid of bright, saturated greens, which we typically don't see a lot of in American cinema. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the blues were muted, which tends to be. Yeah. So we're not, we're not going for the, uh, <laughs> the blue orange look, the blue and orange yeah. of, of Star blockbusters Trek. here. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, the violence when it does come is 
sudden the buildup to it is there's something about me that I can watch like game of Thrones or like even like Braveheart or the Patriot or something when it's like that type of setting, when it's a little bit removed, it's, it's fantastical violence. Doesn't bother me really at all. Yeah. But then when it's in this context, it's horrific and so hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really starts it's supposed to be, I guess it starts when Mrs. Kim kicks the former housekeeper down the stairs. I guess that's the first real violence that we see in the movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess, yeah, outside of the... I think the twist comes, though, when the housekeeper comes back. No, I agree with that. I mean, the violence escalates when when Mrs. Kim kicks the housekeeper down the stairs. No, the the twist is... Because that's, to me, when the tone shifts, when it's like... The thud of her head on the wall? No, no, no. When the when she comes back and rings the doorbell and she's oh, on the, yes. like the video that chat, is when the that's time. when it shifts from being like, oh, here's like a happy kind of funny story about these yeah, poor, right. this poor family who's grifting this rich family into like, oh, something awful is going to happen. Right. right. This can't it stops well. being a fairy tale. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I actually, my super dump is right before this, which sucks because I okay. love the scene so much. Um, but it's when the Kim family has... Uh, laid up on the couch and they're drinking and they've kind of trashed the place and all this stuff. Um, I didn't take issue with it until I had a conversation with somebody who brought it up and it was all I could think about. Um, I love the scene. I think that we get a lot of really cool character development here. We get to watch the family interact, which um, they're like maybe the best part of the movie. Like it's so interesting, but I just, I do not believe that this family who has so carefully crafted this plan this whole time allows themselves to get that sloppy and vulnerable when they know that they're camping on a rainy night. Like yeah. it just seems that. like everything else has been that. so meticulous that yeah. they have done that felt that in this moment, it was like, why now? Yeah. Which that, we need that. Is that their still. hubris though? Like, I, is that their Achilles heel? Cause I think their, their flaw is thinking they deserve this stuff. Yeah. Right. And not saying they don't, and not saying that there's a standard of living that should be out of their reach. No, I totally agree with but you. Is it that also their felt flaw? very like ancient parable. It's just yeah. like a hundred percent. And then you gave in so much. That was your exactly 100%. You thought you'd won to, to me. Relax. It is yeah. just, and I don't know what that way would be. I'm, I don't presume to be a better writer, but to me, it was just like, after everything, after how like smart and careful they've been, this is the way, I don't know. I don't know what else it would have been, yeah. but just the more I reflected on it, the more I couldn't get it out of my head of like, how, how is this the thing, you know? Yeah. But then comes the twist. And I think a hard 90 degree turn, like you're talking about is exactly what it felt like. Yeah. That doorbell rang and it sucked the air out of our living room when Callie and I were watching it. Yeah. We were laughing and we were like, this family's crazy. Like they're doing, and then yeah. bing, bing. And we just, oh yeah. no. Yeah. yeah. And then it just, that's when it starts to unravel and things it's start to get just way worse. From that point on, the whole movie takes place over about 18 hours. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. If, if even that, if maybe. even that, yeah. I mean, it's a night and a day. Because his birthday party is like in the lunchtime the yeah. next day. <laughs> All that happens. I mean, the first, it's got to be weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then boom, right there. Wow. That is. So, cause really when you boil it down, Parasite is a movie about that period mm-hmm. and everything else is preamble. Yeah. But he did such a good job of making the preamble feel like the reason you were there. I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a movie present itself in this way where it's like you spend the first half setting things up, but we don't know at all what the next half looks like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first half definitely feels like it's, world building in terms of these two pockets of people together. Right. 
what will it take to make it feel normal for them all to live in the same space? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, okay, now that they're in the same space, how can we absolutely screw this up? Absolutely. Right. I think I've used the analogy before on the show of like, like bricks in a bag. Yeah. You know what in I mean? a backpack. Like, like whenever you you're, said. whenever you're watching a movie and you're presented with things like every time for the first, like third of a movie, typically audiences are bought in enough that whenever you present them with a new information, a new piece of information, they're willing to pick that up and hold it and say, I trust you that we're going to use this later. And I think some mm-hmm. of the, some of the main reasons that movies that we've talked about on the show have completely fallen apart by the end is that I'm left walking out of the movie with a big pile of information that they never, never used. used. Yeah. yeah. Somehow in this, Pong Joon-ho is able to able to convince us to carry a lot of stuff with us that doesn't look like it's going to be used. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I think it's just the perfect marriage of all aspects of the craft yeah. that keep us engaged and interested and keep us willing to hold all that stuff as we bank around this sharp 90 yeah. degree turn. And then everything keeps coming back. Well, and, and it is so metaphorical. Yeah. Right? yeah. In that metaphor, like right at the time when you feel like there's no more room for bricks, yeah, they end up in a shelter because their house flooded, and exactly. you're like, right. and they have this really poignant conversation about just don't, don't dream, like don't, yeah. don't have a plan Jeez. anymore. And then I'm just like, wait, okay, That's like awful. I'm gonna take this now. It kind of took you a while to get here, but I get it, you know, and yeah. Definitely yeah. don't feel like I walked out with any bricks. Well, and that's after the after the imagery of uh, them of her asking her to make instant ramen with sirloin steak on top. Yes, just as a point of like, what There's are you so much doing? Yeah. Like right. that is so much. That to me encapsulates the the differences of like that's something that the lower class would need to survive. Right, that's their main sustenance. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, just plop my privilege right on top of that and make you make it for me in eight minutes. And then turns out nobody really even wants it. Yeah. Right. You spent all this time doing this stuff and you made a gourmet dish out of instant ramen and then now nobody wants it. Well, and then in that same vein, let's, let's stay tapped into that for a second. When the Kim family, well, four fifths of the Kim family. No, under the Ottoman. Right. Yeah. Um, And we, we just three fourths. It's so, yeah. And it's so their lifestyle becomes so fetishized by the couple on the couch. Yeah. And it's just so like, I don't know. It just feels gross. It, it It's, and it's supposed to, yeah. but it, do, it it just feels like, oh man, like, and they're right there. And you know, he talks about the smell in the car. The and, onion smell. And it's just like, who knew that was going to set stuff up, right? Yeah, I mean, for real. that, that, that feels like a brick that was snuck into my backpack exactly <laughs> without me knowing the way that you can see like, and again, this comes back to the nonverbals of, of the Kim's under the table, right. While they're talking about the, the Mr. Kim smell mm. yeah. is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Just the look on his face. Yeah. Key tech. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's That's my dad. super pump and we'll do that. Okay. We can Dude, do that. He's also mine. Yeah. Okay. He, I, so Bong Joon, he's like, Used in almost all of Bong Joon's Correct. really big movies. He was in The Host and a bunch He's of other- He's in Snowpiercer. Uh-huh. And you can tell, like, it seems like sometimes when you have an actor that works with a director so much, they just feel like an extension. Like, they just feel like- Like a Michael Caine, Chris I know Nolan. what you, yeah, right. I know yeah. what you want. Yeah. And I promise I'll give you exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and if you give me some space, I'll add some of my own stuff. He's yeah. Like, and then the director's like, of course, that's why you're here. Well, apparently the kid that played um, Ki-woo, the son, Kevin, um, apparently he's pretty up and coming- it feels Korea. like it. he and was super great. He's so good. Oh my gosh. And so uh, Bong Joon-ho talked about for Western audiences, the scene where he is teaching his dad how to act in the car yeah. is a joke. 
<laughs> like that is written as a joke. And if you that. don't know yeah. who they are, it's not funny. He compared it to imagine a scene where Timothy Chalamet is teaching Robert De Niro how to act in a movie. <laughs> that's what you have. Like yeah. this, funny. this guy yeah. is established and has been. And then this kid is up and coming, which that's one of my favorite scenes. It's so good. Yeah, that's really oh good. man. It feels heisty. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's got that heist sort that's of back when everything in. was happy. Right. Yeah, back before <laughs> things got so unhappy. Right. Yeah. Supreme. But, um, he, even though, yeah, I don't know. He still feels like the leader of that family, even though his son was the first one to make the move mm, and his wife makes a lot of decisions. Yep. It just, yeah. How does he still feel like a patriarch when, when the action is rarely in his hands? Yeah. I mean, he's rarely commanding what the family does. Well, they gave him that. I think we see how, how proud he is, right? He's like, yeah. you're doing it. I'm here along with it, which kind of, ends up happening. I think the older I get that I start to see, uh, there's this weird, it's starting to have this shift of like parents learning from you certain things like yeah. intentionally outside of it being like, Oh, little kids are so selfless. You know, <laughs> yeah. something we need like to that. be more like them. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, really though, for them to be in that gymnasium or shelter or whatever, that probably does it a lot for his character too, yeah. to be able yeah. to be teaching a, what feels like a pretty legitimate lesson to his son. He was like, this is on me. I should have stopped it from the start kind of thing. I think it is the uh, way that he carries himself yeah. as dad. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's like a, the, the leadership phrase of like leading from the back. Yeah. You know, let people go yeah. do the jobs that they're good at. Yeah. You don't have to do everything. That's what it feels like to me. Absolutely. And, and, and well, he, it's interesting that we're all landing on this same vibe from him because he doesn't really do anything to make that happen. Well, and that's in stark contrast to how he's presented at the beginning. Right. Like my first impression of him is like control was asleep, asleep, like yeah. deadbeat coasting on his family doing work for him. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and he starts taking responsibility. The more the blank hits the fan, like yeah. I'll deal with the bodies. I hope she's alive. Yeah. I'll stay down here in the basement. Yeah. So mom kicks the housekeeper down the stairs. I really do want to talk yeah, about which that. Which is yeah. horrific. So yeah. if that's, if we're calling um, the real twist, the big twist, I would call this twist number two. This is the second hill on the roller coaster. Yeah. It's not as big as the first one, but it's still fun. Yeah. Dude, this to me, so where, where twist number one is, oh, the story's going a different way than I thought. Twist number two was, Oh, the people are going a different way than I thought. Like yeah. I thought it was going to be, we can't let them tell. How are we going to keep them from tell? We got to bribe them, like all this stuff. And then it was no, like, we're going to kill them. Oh, we killed them. Yeah. And all of a sudden stakes went out the window. It wasn't even stakes anymore. Yeah, it was when just, you see what, what the Kims are capable of, right? Like how, right. how disenfranchised they've become with the current state. Yeah. of the world that they're willing to take these kinds of actions. Well, but I also think that it speaks to the fact that they are desperate to not, they are desperate to make sure somebody is beneath them no matter what. Yeah. They have that conversation. Mr. Kim has that conversation with the housekeeper's husband about sub basements. Yeah. We're living in this horrible sub basement. That's what they live in. They live in yeah. a sub basement. And I think, I don't think, I, I mean, I've heard him talk about it, but the whole thing is like, he, he realized like, Oh, I'm like them. Yeah. Oh no, no we can't, can't have that. Like yeah. Yep. I mean, the ultimate parasite doesn't even feel like it's the Kim family. Right. Like there's been parasitic people here way before you. Exactly. They, they live here. And I think you yep. can make an argument that the, the, the parasite is whether you want to call it classism or envy or everybody yeah. wants something that the other group has. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you watch, you watch the park family, both 
um, sexually and non-sexually fetishize the poor in different yeah. ways. And then you watch the Kim family covet everything about the Park yeah. family's life. And then you watch, um, I, I feel bad for just calling her the housekeeper. I don't remember her character's name. Um, Moon Guang, I guess is her yeah. name. Her and her mm-hmm. husband, they just want everything everybody has. Like yeah. it is, it is, I would say my interpretation is that the parasite is envy. Yeah. I think there's probably a ton of interpretations that you could say are equally valid, but this feels like a, a big enough movie that you can have a couple of different distillations of the theme and Certainly. be accurate every time. And a double or triple entendre with the name. It's yeah. probably both the parks and moon Guang and her husband and envy and whatever else and you want to call does, it. Like Bong Joon also does that with so many scenes in the movie, right? Just yeah. Specific picture frames, right? That you can interpret however you'd like, which is so meticulous. And I think the movie's able to, I mean, if we're, if we're saying envy, I guess, is our working thesis for the, the theme of the movie, that that's what the parasite is. If we're able to paint it in such a way that we're able to, I think, come away with a clear understanding. Yeah. Envy is the problem, but the solution is not be happy with what you have. Right. Like, I don't right. think that we're presenting that, like that the Kims should be happy with what they have yeah. being stepped on or, or that whatever. Moon Guang and her husband should be happy to live in the sub basement of a rich family's house or that the park should be happy to be distant and cold from the rest of the world. Exactly. It, but I, so I wouldn't call the thesis statement of the movie envy. I would call the parasite envy. Yes. Sure. I would call the thesis statement. Something needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. That's valid. It, it feels like a warning shot. Um, and I, I don't want to add weight to a movie from a culture that I don't rightly understand. Yeah. But I mean, it, and it doesn't feel like a violent warning shot. Just like, hey, here's where I see that we start to have these problems when people yeah, yeah. look at one another. Was, yeah, it's you know so brilliant. And this specific scene was almost my super pump. But there is such a uh, economic and even cultural divide between the rich and the poor mm-hmm. in Korea. And that's what this is supposed to show. And so the rich show up, or the in this case, the poor show up in the rich's life. And there is such a divide that they are so against each other that it leads to murder, right? And then when we have our murder scene, Mr. Kim is wearing a Native American headdress. Right. That's the entire plot of the current country we're sitting in. Yeah. Yeah. Two completely different cultures, economically, all sorts of things, different languages, even in that case. And then they come in and it just screws everything up. Don't you feel like that was intentional? It was playing an Indian. Yeah. It was yeah. it wasn't like he's playing a Native American. Yeah. Like unbelievable. Yeah. It, unbelievable. There's also the imagery with um like the horses and the Wild West stuff. He's obsessed with cowboys. Yep. The rich family is the cowboys, the poor family. Like like yeah. that that is completely intentional. Yeah. Um yep. and and actually maybe one of the most brilliant things about this movie to me is the backdrop of our finale against a child's birthday party. Which is also his nightmare. Right. Oh, can we talk yep. about how scary his face is on the staircase? Oh my gosh. I knew it was a human. Chills, full body chills from head to toe. That dude seeing him at the Oscars with hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I was just like, no, that's him. <laughs> like, you can't hide, you scary man. I know who you are. I know exactly who you his are. His face with those eyes on the staircase. Dude, Cat- the way he crawls up the stairs. Yeah. It was yeah, dude, very freaky. He seems animalistic yeah i think he's supposed to i know that feels really bon yeah. june too yeah to like does. make you feel like it's on the verge of like wait is there's an alien in him right like yeah something is he a host this, yeah. it's like, this movie is the parasite an alien yes, <laughs> that right. we don't know about i know but yeah. i like 
that's so crazy too, that I got to that point and I was like, maybe yeah. still love it. Yeah. <laughs> the movie tiptoes up to existential horror for me. Yeah. It, it, so. it toes the line. It never quite goes to the point where I was like fully freaked, but man, when they, when they go down to the basement and, uh, um, uh, uh, Moon Guang is uh, fully elevated, pushing that bookcase. That felt like an escalation. Yes. Into the weird. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I think the escalation, the slow on ramp into what's happening really makes everything feel sweet later on when it lands. Absolutely. Um, but that, so the, the violence at the end that we're talking about, how gruesome and sudden this all goes down at this birthday party, which not the violence itself, but the birthday party. Is my super sure. Yeah. Just the escalation and the finally, yeah, it's like cooking noodles on the stove. Right. And this is the moment when it finally, the foam is too big and it just bubbles over and yeah. gets a whole bunch of smoke in your kitchen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything smells like, uh, bread water for like yeah. two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also known as beer. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But my bad. That's what I meant. Um, yeah, this, do you want to talk a little bit about Everything in the backyard. If I mean, I think we're pump. probably all about to. So yeah. let's just go. So uh, for me, it's just kind of everything there, like the way everything looks with, yeah, it is really green. I, I didn't yeah. think about that particular color until you said it. Well, because everything that the Kims have is like brown and gray and they're always in browns and grays and their house is their, their basement that they live in is brown and gray. That rock even is. The rock is yeah. brownish grayish green, which yeah. I think is important that yeah. it has green in it. Uh, their socks that we keep showing hanging are brown and gray. Yeah. And so contrasted with the bright, vibrant colors of the birthday party, contrasted with them the day, like they spent the night in a shelter and then have to wake up early to drive around and or organize this surprise birthday party. Yeah. Uh, for this rich kid. For the rich kid. So Mr. Kim's face is he's pushing the shopping cart behind Mrs. Park. Right. Just this whole, the juxtaposition there, I think is the clearest distillation aside from the instant ramen underneath the sirloin steak. To me, that is, this is that metaphor expanded out into an entire scene yeah. and using everything from the performances to the colors in the shots to communicate this complete, the completely different worlds. We haven't even talked about the soundtrack to this movie yet. It's wonderful. Was it nominated? Cause it should have been. I don't think it was. I don't remember. It is haunting. The closing credit, the first song that you get with the closing credits, mm. Bong Joon wrote that. Wait, really? Uh -huh. Yeah. And one of the actresses is singing it. Uh -huh. Oh, it's Mrs. Park, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah, it it's it's good. It is the kind of soundtrack that is both memorable and not sure. because it just exactly. is kind of there. Like I couldn't I couldn't hum the theme for you. No, but if you played it, I would instantly feel uneasy. It yeah. reminds me <laughs> yeah. a lot, actually, of Johan Johansson, where it it's not theme driven, it's not thematic. It's so much as sounds. Yeah. Um. But well, and and uh, Hildur, gosh, I don't remember her last name. Who won for Joker? Right composed a, a score that was very similar thematically to to this and to Johan Johansson's stuff as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. That kind of incidental, like deep unsettling tones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which for movies like this works so Absolutely. well. Yeah. Um, it's a I, very postmodern way of, you know what I mean? Like that's the sure. kind of thing that I'm sure John Williams is not a big fan of. Yeah. Right? He's like not, it's so <laughs> antithetical to he's that. He's not like, in what? a grave, but he's preemptively rolling, he's rolling over, over in it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, everything just escalates to this point and I love that the thing that sets uh, Mr. Kim over the edge is the face that Mr. Park makes when he smells poor. Yeah. Um, that's just when Mr. Kim loses it. And we hit sort of like the point of no return. Yeah. 
Jeez. I mean, I want I want to get to the end of this movie so we can talk about your interpretation of how things land. But yeah, what were your thoughts at this point in the movie when we watched everybody go from maybe redeemable to pretty much irredeemable? I think it was done well. I mean, it's not something that you enjoy watching. Sure, I wasn't like rooting I, for it to happen. Right? Yeah, I yeah. was uh, also very glad it wasn't just a massacre. I was glad yeah. it wasn't just like all the rich people die. Right. Yeah. Or that would have felt everybody too, dies very yeah. Macbeth kind of style. I think it was done thoughtfully, which there's no, not anything I, thoughtful I it about this scene. Right. But um, I mean, do you think it was premeditated? You know what I mean? Like by, I, by Kim? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't either, but somehow it still feels thoughtful, even though it's, technically a crime of passion, right? right? The art of the presentation is thoughtful. The, yeah. the action itself is not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't rooting for it to happen, but it did feel natural and unavoidable. Yeah. It felt like, you know, rewatching it now, I would be interested to see if, if, cause it, while I was watching it, I was like not anticipating it going down this way. Sure. Yeah. But looking back, there's no other way. How could it end? Exactly. Right. This is always where it was leading to. Yeah. It's, uh, it was so interesting to Myung, uh, what's the character's name that respect, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, it's, uh, her Gyeon, husband. Gyeon yeah, that sounds right. Um, I think the scene too, like we have a moment of the Kim family has been able to blend in to an extent. Yeah. They're still considered not to the level as the family that they're taking care of, but they're allowed but to be But then you see world. the who is like literally the most parasitic character who is in that mix looks so out of place. Yes. Of like, this is how too much of the, of living in that envy, how yeah. much different you are compared to the rest of society. Um, and it felt like he was an inside out version of like, yeah. Or the manifestation of like, this is what your gross guts look like if you're this envious. Yeah, sure. And it's this face. <laughs> This yeah. terrifying man. So that when you put hair on him, feels <laughs> like he's totally fake. Yeah, right. Because like he's trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, I know what you we are. Know who you really are. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so if we regard him then as the personification of envy, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Whenever he kills, uh, I don't remember her Korean name, Jessica. Yeah. Right. If we're yeah. if we're to regard him as like he is the basically the inside out. He's what you are on the inside. Right. Uh, it makes sense that she's the one to die then. Cause she's all outside because she, she is the most envious. I feel like of the whole family. Well, and she was also uh, the one and that we the, see her drinking. We see her like literally and metaphorically drinking the richness to excess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they also, I mean, the family has made comments about Jessica feeling the most like in at home. At home. And that's why Kevin says you belong here. It yeah. looks like you fit in when you're in the bathtub watching TV. That looks natural for you. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I don't know that I can say anybody is the most envious. Yeah. To me, it all just presents differently. Yeah, for sure. I think that's valid. I just think they took both ends and I think then, hers and is then the eliminated most them both. That, that's, that's what I can get on board with. That his is all this internalized where like he almost Stockholm-y, like I respect the person I hate the most. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. the opposite from me. And it like, it just has rotted me to my core. Whereas she is, I just want all the stuff 
that you have. Yeah. I don't need to change anything in there. Do you think they're two faces of the same coin? Probably. Yeah. I would say that if, if everybody has an analog, which I haven't put any thought into this, but if everybody has an analog somewhere in this movie, then they're probably each other's yeah. like dichotomy. If you look at the set literally, and it can be figurative, she made her home in the tub, which they reference on the top floor. On the third floor. Yeah. And his was in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was like, here's both ends of the spectrum. Here is how they juxtapose and then eventually cancel each other out. Right. I think it works really well for her to be the only like lasting collateral damage, really. Right. Um, but my super dump is that there's not more consequences for the family. Yeah. Uh, that we know of. So, that, so I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, first of all, I love the getaway scene and like the letters and all that stuff. I think yeah. that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are you unsure on like the frame of that, whether that's reality or that I'm no, I think it's presented as he really did run back in through the garage and go. Yeah. Hard. What I want to talk about is the ending, like the very end. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think hospital and like their charges and all that stuff is probably about right. Yeah. Um, and is that where you're saying you feel like there needs to be more consequence? I feel like there should be more consequence, both like legal recourse. And then also it feels like it should have had a heavier toll. Like, I think it, it would have been more interesting if more of the Kims had died so at the party. I think, I don't think the ending where we see them back in the house. No, I don't, I don't think that's, think real, that's at real. My guess is, Mr. Kim is going to starve to death into the basement of an empty house. In the basement. Exactly. I don't think that's real at all, but I think it's, it's more interesting for him if we, and this would take, it's more interesting for him to bear the burden of knowing that more of his family died. He knows, he knows his daughter died, right? I, I feel like there should be more consequence. I feel like he should be left alone and he is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're dead because they can't really communicate. Yeah. But I feel like he should be left alone with the knowledge that that his family is gone. And it's largely because of his either his inaction or his envy that cost his family its life. I think if there was to be another cost, maybe it would be his wife. Because I yeah. think we do need to have the son narrating the end. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. To come I back agree. and get his dad. I the, agree. the son is arguably the the protagonist. He's he's arguably the one that we follow the most. And that's a Ricci super dump. And it's because I legally have yeah. to come up with one and sure. we have to cancel the show. Right. Well, and mine was, uh, I, I don't think that Bong Joon really, I don't think he did anything in this movie without really thinking it over. I agree. Correct. But I don't like the legitimate, I thought it was a joke at first, legitimate relationship between the tutor and yeah. the 16 year old, 15 year old. Maybe I it's think. different culturally. I don't know. I know it is. But is there, is there any part? Because my interpretation of that originally was like, oh, this is gross. But then once I see like who his family is, is he doing that? So when her other tutor returns that she still wants him to be her tutor. I think they so don't too. lose their in with the family. I think, I think so. it started that way. Yeah. But I think by the end, he, he really like legitimately cares for her. Cares for her. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. I guess we get that conversation with him in the family. Like when she goes to university, I'm going to, I'm going to start dating her for real. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what he, the person who replaced exactly. him did the same thing. Yeah. So. The framing of this movie is so interesting. We don't have time to get into everything else that I would love to talk about. Please, in fact, please we don't have, watch it. Yeah. In fact, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, that's wild to me. Thank you yeah. for listening, but go watch this movie. Yeah. Um, 
Stark, stark contrast to our best picture episode from last year. Yeah, yeah big time. <laughs> for sure. Really, the only thing we do have time for is to rate this movie. Ah, yeah. Do you have any idea? I mean, is there kind of a rubric that you've prepared? Uh, there is use? actually a scale. Oh, uh, okay. Based on science. Okay. It's called the Scientific Cinema Scale. I would love uh, to hear more about that. It goes a little like this. <laughs> so the best thing we could say about a movie is to own a don't lend it we by did the fresh poster. The best thing we could say about a movie is own it, don't lend it by that poster. Do we need to go any farther? <laughs> the next one is via, then rent it, and then stream it, and then forget it, and then last but not least, God for us. Hey, I'm buying the poster for this movie. Hey, I'm gonna buy the poster. Yeah, I am too. There is a cast of ten people, which is a lot. Yeah, we've got four on each side of the family, and then two in the basement. <laughs> Nothing wrong with any of them. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Nothing wrong with any of them. Yeah. Correct. Nothing wrong with the director. Nothing wrong with the set. Actually, not only is there nothing wrong. It's incredible. There's everything right. Yeah. It's uh, inverse. I'm so interested to see what happens next year. Yeah. Because will the, will the Academy get it right again? It's tough. No. Because <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's guessing. But we'll see. Buy the poster for sure. Yep. Oh, it was so good. Wow. Buy the poster. And you know who else's poster I'm going to buy? Yours, listeners. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if you have a poster of you, please mail it to us. Yeah, give it to me. <laughs> if you have like a fat head or something, I can stick on the wall. <laughs> uh, please send it to me, and I will do that. Uh, I'm buying and your I'll poster because you you subscribe to our Patreon feed. You, yeah, you crazy patron, you. And I love you for it. Dang it! Gosh, I'm not gonna, gonna apologize. I'm not gonna apologize for it. Gosh darn it! And 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 we'll <laughs> we'll just ding, I just ding dang love you, don't I? <laughs> I turn real sarcastic, but I really do love you and appreciate you. <laughs> now say it like you mean it. I can't quit you. <laughs> so to end today's episode, this bonus episode of our podcast in which we reviewed the best movie that we have yet to create as a species. I want us to improve it. The movie that we're about to record our review on is First Blood. Mm which ends with a wonderful, very 80s song for the credits. If you could replace the great song that ends the credits for this movie with one English power ballad, which would it be? It's easy. I'm Doge, and Making Love Out of Nothing at All should have been the credit song for this movie. I'm Carter. I don't remember who. I don't remember. And here in Patron Land, we don't know the order of things, but that's fun because we don't have to. Mine ends with meatloaf. Uh, I would do anything for love. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's good. It's really good. But I won't do that. that. But I'll especially stab a dad. Yeah, but I will stab dad. Uh, yeah, Jordan, and it's going to be High Enough by Damn Yankees. <laughs> it's going to, I mean, it's just going to soar at the and end a lot of this movie. Like slow motion head turns of the main cast yeah. the, as their name comes up in the credits. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so good. There's a lot of freeze so frames on them, like laughing in the next. Yeah. Oh. But they all have the same mullet wig on. Well, I just yes. figured for an ensemble cast. 
we need an ensemble 80s super group to bring it home. <laughs> There's just so many other ones that are coming in.